You're listening to the Finding Christ in the Old Testament series, preaching by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Find your way to 1 Kings chapter 19 this morning, starting at verse number 9. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Literally, a low whisper. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of of Shaphath of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet... I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. I want to direct your attention back to verse number 12 um, this morning. We've been in this passage for a long time. And and we've read this so often that maybe we have missed um, the power in this statement. I think when we read this, maybe for the first time or hear it after a while, we instinctively know, as we read, a still, small voice, that there's something great about this text. There, there's something here, whether I realize the reason or not, there is something in that statement that sort of captivates us when it says, after all of these things, this low whisper comes to Elijah. I have to be honest with you, I, I've struggled in this text. We've been here for a long time. This text is packed. I've known for a long time that this is the main point. And my struggle struggle comes in that I am fearful this morning that I will not be able to convey the thought and the truth and the power of what's happened in 1 Kings 19. There is something reverential. There is something powerful. 
there is something unbelievable as we see the story, and yet now we hear that God was not in this, this, or this, but there's a still, small voice. And so my prayer simply this morning is that in some way I can convey to you the power of what we find here because this impacts us. And I pray today that we'll understand the God that we serve and how he's revealed himself to us and the privilege that we have. Let's start at the beginning, and not the beginning of the Bible, but the beginning of our text. The word Lord comes to Elijah and he says, stand upon the mountain and go before me. And so Elijah goes and he stands and the Lord passes by. We have the wind, which is not just the wind blowing. This is a hurricane. Things are breaking, right? The rocks are breaking. The wind, then the earthquake, and then the fire. And there's this phrase that happens over and over again after all of these things where it says, and the Lord was not in them. It's important that all the explosions, all the displays of power, the Lord was not in them. These are precursors of his arrival. They're saying he is on the way. And if you think about what's happening here, and you're familiar with the Old Testament, and you're familiar with God, especially on this mountain, Mount Sinai, um, he is displaying his godness, his power, his glory, his majesty, his worth, his value. He is passing by, and the world is shaking. And not only is it shaking, it's terrifying. It is simply terrifying. Now think with me this morning. And I don't know, maybe you have been in these situations. Is there anyone here that you've been in a uh, Category 5 hurricane, which is sustained winds of 250 kilometers an hour? Anybody been part of that before? No. I haven't either. I would imagine it's terrifying, right? We've seen the pictures. What about an earthquake? 7.5 on the Richter scale. Anybody experienced that? I know we've had tremors around here, but nothing to worry about. You know, we're not in California. We're not in Mexico. 7.5, devastation. Fire. Now, we're famous around these parts for kitchen fires and grease fires, right? And maybe we understand those things. We've had those types of fires. But a consuming fire... Like B.C.'s fire, 127 million in damages. It consumes everything. And so just think this morning, if if you're in any one of these events, right, let alone three of them, it is not the time to stand and say while these are happening, I am the king of the world. That's not what we do. If we have a brain in our head, and a tad bit of common sense, we seek safety. Because these events are terrifying. And they're meant to be terrifying. And the point is, this is our God, and Elijah cannot stand before him. And the truth is, no one can stand before him. And in this display that he's not even in, He's not in this. He's not part of nature. This is a precursor to his coming. In this display, it it reminds us that this God is not safe. He's not to play with. 
It's not to be trifled with. There's a great line in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia when the children are talking to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver and they're talking about Aslan. And Aslan, of course, is the lion, this fierce lion, and he is representative of Jesus Christ. And so the children are saying, it comes around to something like, well, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, um, of course he's not safe. Of course not. He's a lion. He goes on to say he is good and he is the king. And so before we ever get to the still small voice this morning, I want to make it abundantly clear that our God is a God that you and I cannot stand before. None of us. We cannot stand before him in our weakness. Listen to Psalms chapter 8 this morning. The psalmist says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Jump down to verse number 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. So what he's saying is, Lord, you're excellent, you're glorious, and when I look around at the magnitude and the power and the beauty and the intricacy and all that I see in creation, the sun, the moon, and the stars, here's my response, verse number four. God, what is man that you're mindful of him? or the Son of Man that you visit him, or even care about him. The psalmist says, when I look around and I see my own weakness, here's what I understand. God, you are God. Everyone else, you are not. There's a scene in one of the Marvel movies where Thor's brother, who is a god, tells the Hulk, you can't talk to me like that, I'm a god. And the Hulk takes him by his feet and pounds his head back and forth into the pavement. And then says, some kind of God you are. And it makes me laugh because the truth is, we think that sometimes. I'm a God. No, you're not. He is God. He is eternal. He is forever. You and I are a vapor. We're a moment. We're the span of a hand. We're a story that's told. We're weak humanity. And we cannot stand before him. I know when you're 16, you think you got the world by the tail. But not when you're 40, 50, and 60. Because then you realize, I can't hold on to that tail anymore. It's crazy. My strength is abating. My health is, I'm losing that. Things are creaking and popping. And I know that I will not be around forever. We are weak humans. We are frail. And and the psalmist says, God, when I look at you, I understand. What in the world? Why would you even care about humanity? We cannot stand before him because of our weakness. We cannot stand before him because of our wickedness. This God is holy. This God is righteous. This God is just. This God hates sin. And I know, we talked about this morning, comparing our lives to other people. We all do it. But may we just compare our lives to ourselves this week? And our own actions? 
our own sinfulness, our anger, our greed, our lies, right? Our envy, our lust, our acts of unkindness to other people, our indifference to the suffering of others. Let's move on, maybe, about our conversations. Just this last week, I want you to think, what is it that you talked about? If we could record everything you said last week about your spouse, your kids, your parents, these church members, your pastors. Ooh, I'd like to hear that around the dinner table. Would you be embarrassed? Would you be humiliated? Would you be ashamed of that? Not even to mention our thought process, the hidden things of our hearts that we would rather not anybody ever see or anyone ever know. Could you imagine if for one day our hearts were put on a screen, the thoughts, the intent, the desires, what really happens in here was exposed for all to see. Forget about God. We couldn't stand before men and women. And so this is our God. Before we ever move on, you must see and understand, we cannot stand before him. Elijah could not stand before him. Moses before him, and Isaiah after him, and all men and women cannot stand before this God. He, and he alone, must first be gentle, humble, condescend, loving, and kind before we ever have a chance to approach this God. We have no hope unless he reveals himself to us. And this is what happens in the text. God has revealed himself. And I want you to notice, he was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. Nature is not God. God is above nature. He's not in any of those things. But with that said, not, 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 all of a sudden now, Elijah hears a low whisper. And the point is, God is not in these things, but God is in his word. He is in his word. The God of heaven, this awesome God, is present in his word. And how do you know that? Well, listen to this. Here is Elijah, and all this destructive, explosive stuff is happening in this cave, and yet, it's not until he walks out and hears this whisper, this low whisper, this still, small voice, and he wraps his face. Ah, That's not uncommon when people understand they're in the presence of God. This voice, it is God, his presence, this still, small voice. And I want you to know this morning that this awesome God of heaven, in his gentleness, in his humility, in his condescending to mankind, his presence is found in his word. I'm going to read a couple verses, and I, they're a little more lengthy than I usually do, but I want you to listen to this because God is found present in his word, first and foremost, in the incarnation. Look, if you would, at John chapter 1 this morning. John 1, and starting at verse number 1. And I know that these verses are very familiar to many Christians today, but I want you to hear it and listen to what's being said as we say, listen, God has revealed himself, 
This God of heaven, he has condescended. We cannot come before him, but in his grace and his kindness, his gentleness, he has revealed himself, and he's revealed himself. His presence is in his word. Listen to John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He goes on to say there that um, without all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In the beginning, the Word. The Word is God, the Logos. This is God speaking, and that speaking voice The incarnation is the very presence of God. God is saying, I will humble myself. I will condescend. I will be gentle with you. I will come by my word. And the word is Jesus Christ. He goes on. 1 John. Same author. Later on in life. Maybe maybe close to the same time. Maybe wrote all these about 90. I'm not sure. But here's what he says in chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Again, John is saying, we saw him, we heard him, we handled him. He was the word of life. It was made known to us. And the last one from John, John 1.18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He hath declared him. Jesus Christ has made him known. He has unfolded God to us. And and get this now. You and I know of God and know who he is because in his gentleness, in his mercy, in his kindness, he has revealed himself through the incarnate word. And you want to talk about kindness and mercy. How does this begin? It begins in a manger. In a manger. God shows up. The God that people flee from his presence, flee from his voice, flee from his passing. He shows up in a manger as a baby. Now, is there anybody here this morning that is terrified of babies? Okay, Melissa. Okay, I was going to say Melissa and most men, all right? Because when I say terrified, I don't mean, oh, I don't want to touch that thing because his head's bobbling around. When I grab it, the head goes down. I'm going to break the thing. It's weird, but you're not going to break them. I was watching one of the boys one time. I was watching one of the boys one time. And I was out in the room, and they were in the crib. And I forgot to pull the crib bar up. And I'm reading, and all of a sudden I heard a thud on the floor and then silence. But, oh, no, he's dead. And then you hear the screaming and the crying. And that, I don't know which one it was. It was AJ. That explains it. It was AJ, right? They're not going to break. We're not afraid of that. Or a diaper, right? I'm heading for the hills. I can't, I'm not talking about that kind of fear, right? Because we understand that. And, and that's, that's well, the fear I'm talking about, Melissa, is when there's a baby in the room, you cower in the corner and you're crying because it terrifies you. Yes? Oh, you got, we got to talk. Counseling for Melissa afterwards. But most normal people, 
A baby doesn't scare us. I mean terrify us where, oh my, it's a baby. And this is how God introduces himself to this world. Can you imagine? There's a song from the story, and it's called Be Born in Me. And here are the lines talking about the incarnation. All this time we waited for the promise. Children of Israel thinking, the Messiah is coming. Our answer is coming. Our hope is coming. We will finally be freed from the tyranny around us. He will rule and reign. The Messiah is coming. All this time we've waited. And then the song says this. Did you wrap yourself inside the unexpected so we might know that love would go that far? That's exactly what God did. He wrapped himself in a robe of infancy. The incarnate word, it is God. It is his presence. Jesus Christ reveals him. You ever want to know what God is like? Really like? Well, God has answered that for you. It came in the person of his son. You want to know what God feels toward people? Look at the incarnation, the word, Jesus Christ. Look how he treats the sick. I'm not talking, I'm talking about lepers who were outcasts from society, who, who, when they were walking down the street, the religious crowd would pick up stones and throw them at them so they would go nowhere near them. What does Jesus do? God incarnate in the flesh? The leper comes in Mark chapter 1 and says, Lord, if thou wilt, you can make me clean. And Jesus in compassion says, I will. And he touches him. See how he weeps with those that weep. He knows their tears, their fears. Watch as he gathers little children in his arms and tells the disciples, don't suffer them not. Allow them to come to me. And he blesses them. Watch how he shows grace and mercy to a woman caught in the very act of adultery when sinful, wicked, self-righteous men were ready to cast the first stone. And see what he says to Peter after he was denied three times. He tells the women, go to my disciples and Peter and tell them I'm alive. And if this wasn't enough of gentleness, humility, and kindness, listen to Philippians chapter 2. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. With the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This morning I want you to know that the God of heaven has revealed himself in mercy, kindness, and grace, in humility, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This morning, there are lots of reasons to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There are lots. The, the first is, you're condemned. Christ didn't come to condemn the world. The world was condemned already, without hope. If you die in your sins, you will die separated from God for all eternity. That's what the Bible says. That's not religion. That's not church. That's not your own ideas. That's the word of God. You and I are condemned. We are without hope. There is no chance. Not your goodness, not your works, not your efforts, not your church. You should come to Christ because you're condemned. You should come to Christ because there's hell to avoid and a heaven to gain. 
But can I tell you something? You should come to Christ this morning because Jesus Christ is worthy. He's worthy. The God of heaven robed himself in flesh and walked among us and lived out the law and showed us what perfect humanity looks like. And then he died for you. He suffered for you. He paid the price for you. And he rose again. You should trust him because he's worthy. This is the incarnate word. This is how God has revealed himself in gentleness and kindness. If you would, a still, small voice. God is made known through the incarnation. But secondly, I want you to see that this incarnation, this still, small voice, is intimate. It is intimate. Whisper. Right? A whisper. A whisper. You want to hear a whisper? You better be close to someone. You better be near someone. It's not a shouting. It's not a screaming. It is a whisper. And this incarnate word is intimate through the written word of God, through the whisper of God. Listen to me. I am talking, I think, predominantly through all, most people here are believers in Christ. And if we took the time this morning, I am sure that you could go back and reflect on your life at a time when, in fear, in doubt, in trouble, in uncertainty, um, in, in chaos, that there was a moment when the word of God whispered peace to your life. That in a very intimate way, the voice of God, a low whisper, came and spoke to your hearts. We've been there. We've had it. It's happened to us. The still small voice. Several years ago, Kim and I, our world was rocked. It was rocked. And I remember laying on a bed that was not my own. And Kim and I were there. It was three in the morning. And um, I, was, I was wide awake. I was staring into blackness. And I, I, try not to, I try not to breathe differently like that because if I do, Kim knows I'm awake. I, I assume she was sleeping. And so I was just still. Usually when she hears me breathing, she puts a pillow over my head. And so I have to be careful about that. And so it was pitch black. And we were reeling. And I was sitting in the darkness. And I didn't know she was up. And she said in a quiet voice, Rick, are we going to be okay? And I did not know that we were going to be okay. I had no idea. That's the truth. I didn't know what was going to happen in our lives. And I said, yes, we're going to be okay. And then this verse, listen, this verse came to my head. It's Psalm 46. And here's what it says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. And at the end of that chapter, verse number 10, says, Be still and know that I am God. Can I tell you something? There wasn't a shout. There wasn't an earthquake. There was a still, small voice that said, Be still. And know I am 
God. My friend this morning, understand that when that happened in our life, do you know what we did after three-something in the morning? We fell asleep. And we slept well. Because of a still, small voice. It's the word of God. And it comes to us in intimacy, the written word of God. He is present. God has revealed himself. He is present in his word, whether it's the living word of Jesus Christ or the inspired word. The problem is, for many of us, we're not healthy in this area. And we're not hearing. We're not healthy or we're not hearing. Okay, let me ask you a question. Well, let me back up. This week, okay, if there's anybody in church who knows Sunday's coming every week, it's me. I know that Sunday is coming every week. I get it. I understand it. And after last week, when I was done preaching, I sat here and I thought to myself, I am done. I am spent physically, spiritually, emotionally, and whatever way you can be spent. I was done. So I went home, and usually on Sundays, I think, okay, what's next? Where are we going next week? None of it. Had no desire whatsoever to even open the book. I'm just being honest. See what you're paying for? This is really a bad deal for you folks. No desire. Come Monday, guess what? No desire. Come Tuesday, eh. Come Wednesday, there was still, there was no feeling whatsoever in my body to open the book. But, by the grace of God, I've been here before. And so I took my little phone on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and put the scripture on and just let it play. Let it play. Four in the morning, let it play. And you know what happened after a little while? (laughs) My heart started to stir a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And here's our problem. Too many of you folks, you sit here like, I don't feel like. You can't remember the last time you opened the Bible. I, I like what Spurgeon said. He said, some of you can write damnation in the dust of your Bibles on your shelves. Or on our phones, I guess. Because you don't feel. And what I'm telling you is, you need this still small voice from the Word of God to lead you along this life. We are doomed without it. And for some of us, we don't feel it, so we don't open it. And it's not healthy. It is not healthy at all. When you're sick, okay, and you know you're really sick. Is it best to take the chicken noodle soup or the fluid or the medicine when you start feeling healthy? Is that the best time to take your medicine? Yes or no? Are there any doctors here today? Nurses? Is it best to take medication when you start to feel better? Is that what we do? No. When do we take the medication? You're sick. You take it right away. If you're smart, or I'm just going to be okay, and then you end up with pneumonia and you die, okay? You, you take it when you're sick, right? You don't wait till you're healthy. Some of you are sitting here, well, I'm going to start getting into the Word when I feel healthy. Forget it. Forget it. You get into the Word. You listen for the small voice. You do it whether you feel like it or not. That's what we do, and that brings health to us. I promise you. If you're a believer, there is no way, listen to me, there is no way you can continually expose yourself to the word of God and the author of that word will not speak to you. There's no way. 
Because God is present in his word. And too many of us are sick and anemic because we're waiting for some feeling before we take our medicine. And what I'm telling you is, you start taking it now whether you feel like it or not. You understand that? Okay? We're not healthy. Number two, we're not hearing. We're not hearing. There's too much noise in our lives. And, and listen, sometimes the noise is the mountains are crumbling, man. I, I get it. Sometimes it's like, my life is just turned upside down. And there's racket and there's commotion. And I don't know what to do. And, and that happens, and I get it. But the problem is, when those commotions happen, what we do is, we search everywhere, in everyone, in everything, for comfort, for hope, and safety, and we never go to the Word of God. And we're distracted. We're distracted by the noise of the mountain crumbling, and sometimes we're distracted by the mundane buzz of life. Uh, that's a weird thought. I won't say it. Should I say it? No. Okay, don't. Never mind. Mm-hmm. I got the look. It really is a weird thought, but I won't say it. In our lives, the mundaneness of life, we get busy and we don't hear anything. I'm just doing life, man. I'm doing life. I'm not going back to the word. I'm not listening to the word. I'm just doing life. We get busy. We're not hearing. But let me tell you, the kingdom advances by the quiet obedience to his word. That's how the kingdom advances in your life and mine. It's just stop for a moment. Just do what the word says. Like, um, be a good Christian. Crazy, huh? Love your wife and her alone. Be faithful to her in your body and your mind. Be a godly man that you just that people see Christ in you. Be a nurturing mother. Love your kids. Be a believer who goes to work and really works hard. Be honest. I mean, I think, I think these themes are found in that book somewhere, actually. I, I think they're in there. And we're not hearing. We're not hearing. Some of us are looking for explosions before we do what God wants us to do. I want to see the mountain move, and I want to see... You know, the oceans roar, and I want to see the earthquake and feel it, and the wind and the fire. But listen to me. Listen for the small voice. Because God is in his small voice. It is his presence. And so my challenge today for you is simply this. This God that we serve is bigger than you could imagine. You can't imagine. (laughs) You can't. And we, ha- we can't stand before him. We have no right before him. We're weak and we're wicked. And yet, in his kindness, he condescends and wraps himself in the flesh of a baby. He didn't need to do that. But he did. He lived. He died for you and for me. And God has revealed himself through the incarnate word. Jesus Christ is God. And if you want to know anything about God, watch it. Look at his life. See what he did. Hear what he said. He reveals him to us. Not only through the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, but God in his kindness, through a still small voice, has given us his inspired word. We have it. It's not up in heaven that we can't go to. It's not across the sea that we can't reach it. 
It's here. It's here. And as God's people today, I would just implore you, we better start listening to this still small voice. Because life is chaotic. Life is busy. There's a lot of noise out there. But God has revealed himself in his word. And when his word is opened, when it's sought, he shows up. Do you know what we need today? We need God. What's your problem? You need God. And God has revealed himself through his word. And this morning, I have a, an idea that the quiet whisper of God's spirit, he's speaking to you. He's exposing. He's revealing. Maybe he's encouraging. Maybe he's comforting. But I know that's how he does it. He is present in his word. So, don't be unhealthy. Quit making excuses. Read it. Be still. Listen to it. Meditate upon it. And this God of heaven will reveal himself to you. Let's pray this morning.